um, I'm going to have Luke go ahead and read through the Zoom portion of the meeting uh, categories. All right. The Thanks, everybody. I know you've heard it before, but we're going to go ahead and, and, and do it again. Good evening and welcome to the June 3rd Board of Zoning Appeals meeting. My name is Luke Mortensen, and I'll be facilitating the Zoom video portion of tonight's meeting. With me is Catherine Week, Planner and Staff Liaison to the Board of Zoning Appeals. We will work, uh, we will work with the Chair, um, who I believe will be coming uh, a little bit late, but on remote video to facilitate tonight's meeting. Currently, everybody should be muted so we can talk to the general rules. Uh, this is being recorded and broadcast live on the City's YouTube channel and Public Access Cable Channel 25. During the muting meeting, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon. Uh, when you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. This will make it easier for everybody to hear the meeting. Of course, unmute yourself if you mm -hmm. want to speak. In the menu, you can turn your camera on or off by clicking the video icon. Please keep it on for the portion of this meeting. Um, if you are participating by phone, you can enter star six to mute and unmute your phone. Somewhere on your Zoom screen, there'll be a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Of course, speaker view shows the active speaker. Gallery view will show all the meeting's participants. Um, Board of Zoning Appeals does not screen share. Uh, a few reminders uh, to ensure the provisions of the Kansas Open Meeting Act. Members must state their name and title each time they speak. City staff will be doing the same. Um, I don't believe we have applicants with us tonight, but they would also do the same. Individuals um, will provide public comment. Um, I don't believe we will have any of those tonight. Um, if there are any in-person public comment, we'll call on those as well. Again, I don't think we'll have any of those tonight. All motions need to be stated clearly. Staff will call on each commissioner to take their vote. Um, and then staff will announce whether the vote carried and this count of the vote. Finally, once again, everybody please meet yourself when you're not on. Um, Let's see, I don't know if Chair Herod is with us. Catherine, do you wanna go ahead and get going though? Yeah, so I think, and I'll check with Randy, but I think because the chair and vice chair are both gone, um, the staff liaison as the secretary for the board can go ahead and run through the um, agenda for the meeting. Is that correct, Randy? I think that's fine. Either okay. that or, you know, the members can choose somebody from the board. Okay. Either way would be fine. Okay. Well, if the members don't have an objection, I can go ahead and um, take roll um, to call the meeting, um, call the meeting to order. All right, Clark. Falvey. Here. Gardner. Herod. Rankin. Here. Shalinsky. Shalinsky? Here. Weissner? Here. Okay, and we have quorum. So the, uh, this is Catherine Weeks, staff liaison. Uh, so the first item on our agenda is to acknowledge any communication to come before the board. Uh, were there any communications that any members would like to bring? Um, we, the staff, to, staff does not have any communications additional uh, for the board at this time. Uh, item number B, um, any disclosure of ex parte communications and or abstentions for specific agenda items? Hearing none. Uh, C, announce any agenda items that will be deferred. So we do have one uh, public hearing item 
that was noted on your agenda. That item has been deferred by the applicant. So that item is deferred. So moving on to item D, which is miscellaneous. Tonight um, we are going to um, have our Kansas Open Meetings Act training um, and Randy Larkin is going to, from our legal office, is going to provide that for us this evening. We can go ahead and get started. Good evening, members of the BZA. I'm Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney, and tonight we're going to go over the Kansas Open Meetings Act and the Kansas Conflicts of Interest. Um, uh, Luke is going to run the uh, slideshow presentation for me or PowerPoint. And while these aren't the most thrilling subjects, they are very important to keep yourselves and the city out of trouble. But to keep it, you know, a little bit more interesting, if you have any questions or comments as we go along, to keep this a little more interactive, that would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, we'll just dive right in. Now, the Kansas Open Meetings Act was enacted by the Kansas legislature in 1972. It came as part of a wave of government reform coming out of the 60s. And it has been described as cornerstone of public access to local and state government. And its fundamental purpose is to require that local government, state government do their business, especially when it's business of the public, in front of the public's view so that the public can observe it. Um, <clears throat> Kansas public policy underlying is of coma is that a representative government is dependent upon an informed public. So that's the main purpose for it. And so for that reason, it is an express violation of coma. If we were to try to subvert or move a meeting to avoid conducting the business of the public in the public, the courts construe coma broadly and its exceptions narrowly. So basically that means if it's a close call, it's not gonna go in the city's favor, it's not gonna go in your favor. So we try to be very conservative when we uh, apply coma and when we try to comply with it. All right, now there are two times, there are two things, two criteria that have to be met before coma applies. And that's the Open Meetings Act, coma. The body, first of all, involved has to be a covered entity, and there has to be a meeting as defined in the act. Now, you can, you can go to the next one, Luke. Bodies that are subject to the act, it applies to all legislative and administrative bodies, state agencies, political and taxing subdivisions. That includes both the city and the county. It also applies when they receive or expend supported public funds, and that would also be the city and the county, and it also applies to all sub-agencies and all departments of those bodies. So it would definitely apply to the BZA. That's not the big issue of the BZA is definitely covered by COMA. The question is whether or not there's a meeting such that COMA would be triggered. And this is where it gets, this is where all the litigation, this is where all the issues reside. For there to be a meeting, there has to be three things that have to occur. There has to be a gathering or assembly in person or through the use of telephone or other interactive medium by a majority of the membership of the body and for the purposes of discussing the business of the affairs of the body. Let's go over that again. There has to be a gathering or meeting of the members by a majority of the membership 
for the purpose of discussing the business of the public body. So we'll go through each of those one at a time. An interactive communication is defined as if you meet, like tonight, or if you meet present in public, that's obvious. Telephone calls, conference calls, Zooms, work sessions, staff briefings, anytime that where there can be interactive communications where people can exchange ideas or concepts or discuss matters, then there is an interactive communication. Next. A majority of the membership, there are seven members on the BZA. So a majority of the membership is four. So before there can be a meeting, there has to be four. And finally, to just, they have to discuss the business of the body. Uh, it's discussion is really what triggers the application. It doesn't have to be a vote. It doesn't have to be binding action. It just has to be a discussion among the majority involving you know, the matters before the board. Social gatherings are not subject to coma. So afterward, if you go out and have a beverage or go talk, walk in the park and don't discuss the business, there's no problem. Commissioners or board members can attend conferences related to it, but as long as they're not discussing the specific business of the body, then that's not a problem. You can go on to the next one. Um, electronic communications is a, is a big situation today. Uh, the mere fact that a communication is electronic does not necessarily raise a coma issue. However, it may, especially if you are engaged in interactive communications. A single email to other members would probably not be a violation, but participation in like an online chat room, instant messaging back and forth may perhaps Consider be a, considered a violation because of the interactive nature of those types, those that media. Um, simultaneous Facebook posts where they exchange ideas could be regarding the concerning of the body could be uh, meeting under coma. In 2020, I believe uh, the Kansas Attorney General, I think this came down from uh, around Pittsburgh, down southeast Kansas. Uh, they were discussing a matter that had been before a planning commission, I believe, in that city. And we're on Facebook and we're exchanging ideas about something that they had just voted on. And we're talking about things back and forth. Someone turned them in and the Kansas Attorney General found that they had violated coma by discussing the business interactively among more than half of the body. So next, next slide. Um, so the important, so that if you use technology or advanced technology, you can, it can directly affect the compliance with these important state laws. So whenever you use Facebook, Twitter, or other social media, make sure and be mindful of those three rules regarding whether or not be a, might be a violation of coma and think twice before you post anything. Uh, emails. Avoid initiating online discussions with fellow members through emails. You may obviously receive emails from the city regarding scheduling or subjects that are going to be on the, on the agenda, the agenda packet itself, some things like that. Those are all fine, but avoid hitting reply all. You hit reply all, and all of a sudden now it becomes perhaps an interactive situation. So always try to 
avoid or refrain from hitting the reply all function regarding emails from the board. Another thing to be concerned about, another thing to think about is serial meetings. Now, there have been several cases about this in Kansas. A serial meeting basically is a meeting of not a series of interactive communications regarding uh, involving less than the, than four members, but that could be spread out among more than four. For example, what happens is commissioner or board member A communicates with board member B and then board member B communicates with board member C, et cetera, et cetera. And once you reach the fourth member and you're discussing members of the body, you could very well have a, a violation of coma. And there have been a number of commissions and, and, and governmental bodies that have gotten in trouble for conducting serial business or serial meetings. For example, hey, you know, Commissioner A is going to vote this way. What do you think? Well, I think this. Let's, and then that person passes on to somebody else. So be aware that you don't have to be all together at one time, but these serial communications among each other can lead to a violation of coma. Next. So, um, so just to review, the body must be a covered entity. There has to be a meeting, and for there to be a meeting, there has to be interactive communication involving four members of the BZA, and you have to be discussing the, mem the business of the body. I used to give advice regarding this last one. I didn't bring this up, but you know, you could talk about past things. But in this last case that came out of the, uh, the Attorney General, they were talking about something they had voted on earlier in the week, and they still were found to be in violation. So be very careful about talking about things that are before you or have been before you when you talk to each other. All right, next. Um, all meetings of a public entity like Board of Zoning Appeals must be open to the public. Proper notice has been has to be given. So, you know, it was easy when we held these meetings in, in City Hall. You know, we had the doors open. Anybody can come. We always posted notices on the city website. So now, we, you know, we're on Zoom. So we, there are certain things that we have to do to make sure that people have proper access to these meetings. They can either come to City Hall and watch it on television. We give them Zoom passwords, people can call in. So those are things that we have to be done. They have to be accessible to the general public. And they have the meetings have to be conducted in front of the public so that they can observe and listen to the proceedings. Next. Uh, notice has to give the time and place. There isn't any recommendation regarding when they have to be done. It has to be given in enough time so that people can respond and have an, a meaningful opportunity to attend and appear and watch. Uh, BZA, for example, and then one of the things uh, that needs to be said is that you cannot, like cameras, cannot prohibit them, but we can place reasonable limitations on those. All right, next. Uh, Coma does not require that agendas be created, but if you do create one, which we do, it should include the topics planned for discussion. Agendas can always be amended, but if agendas do exist, copies must be made available to those re who request them. We typically make them available to anybody, but under state law, you have to make them available to anyone who requests them. Next.
All right, regarding coma, that's pretty much the overview of it. Now we get to the nitty and the gritty of it, and it's the penalties version of it. Luke, you can go back. We'll, we'll come back to the start of that one later. Uh, anyone who is aggrieved by a potential violation of coma has the right to sue coma or the members individually can sue the city. The district attorney or the attorney general are empowered to bring an action to enforce coma. Remedies against the board and against yourselves can include injunction, mandamus, civil penalties, payment of costs, or other appropriate penalties that are deemed relevant by the court. If an action is brought in district court to enforce coma, just to give you an idea how important the state thinks this is, it will take precedence over other things that the judge may have on, on their schedule. The judge, he or she may have to move things to hear this within a potential a particular point in time. Another thing of interest is that the burden of proof is switched. It's usually on the person bringing the lawsuit. In these cases, the burden is on the governmental entity to establish that they met the requirements of coma. So that's kind of a steep burden. So if there is a lawsuit and there is a violation found, uh, any action that's taken by the DZA could be voidable by the court. They could just erase it. A uh, civil penalty of up to $500 can be assessed to any member of, of the board for each violation, for each knowing violation. Now, there doesn't have to be a specific intent to violate the law. It just has to be knowing. So you just have to know that you're engaged in the conversation or you are talking to somebody. That is enough to establish guilt. Or at least a guilty mind, as they say, mens rea. The court may also uh, issue injunctions against the BZA, could overturn your decisions. And then, of course, the cost of the action can be enforced against you and can be enforced against the city. Now, you know, usually it doesn't get this far. You know, if we find out there's a violation of coma, we usually would self report. And the situation is then you get your name in the, in the newspaper and you have to go to a lot of classes on Open Meetings Act that are hopefully more <laughs> impressive and, and better put on than this one. But that's what's going to happen if, if there is a violation. So anyway, that's the Kansas Open Meetings Act. And if you're aware of those rules, then hopefully we can all stay out of trouble. So if you have any questions or comments before we jump into the next category, that'd be great. Any questions on coma? All right, very good. The next Next issue is conflict of interest and basically the local codes of ethics and things. Now, basically, the purpose of these laws, and this also came out of the same wave of, of government reform, is that um, is to ensure that public office is not used for private or personal gain. So just to let you know, as members of the BZA, you're considered a local government officer for the purposes of the statute and you can go to the next next statement basically what it is is if you have a substantial interest you can do a substantial interest in anyone appearing before the board you can take one of two actions to avoid getting into trouble if you don't take either action that's when trouble happens but anyway the two things that you can do is you can just simply abstain which we would have your, you go blank and you do not participate in the discussion or the vote. 
or if you have filed with the county board of, or not the office of elections, the county election officer, if you file a statement of substantial interest, then whether or not you have an interest in the entity appearing, then you can still participate as long as you've made that transparent and everybody in the public can go look and say, oh yes, this person has an interest in that company or used to be related to this person or whatever it is. So what is a substantial interest? Because that's the most important thing under the state law is what is a substantial interest? Because that triggers whether or not you need to abstain or file the statement. And there are, there are five different things that become statements. If you or spouse has owned within 12 months preceding the, the thing appearing before you, legal or equitable interest exceeding $5,000 or 5% of any business, whichever is less than you have a substantial interest in that business. So if AT&T comes before us with a big project and you're hearing a BZA thing and you own $5,000 of shares or stock in AT&T, you have a substantial interest under the state statute and you would need to either report that or abstain. And it could be a local business. If you have a share in a, of a local business and it's 5% or more, it could be an LLC. And if you're involved in an LLC, those are the types of things that this section is talking about. All right, Luke, on to the next one. If you or a spouse collectively or individually has during the preceding year received compensation or required to include as taxable income up to $2,000 from any business or combination of businesses, then you have a substantial interest. Now, this is obviously aimed at getting at your employer. So obviously, if your employer appears before the BZA, you would have a substantial interest in that situation. Or if it's your spouse's. Or if you did some type of other consulting work or other type of work where you received work, you know, payment from them. If you're a contractor and did somebody work on somebody's house and they paid you more than $2,000, then you might have a very well have a substantial interest in that developer or that builder. So these are all things to be concerned with. That's the purpose of this one. All right. The next one, Luke. If you or your spouse individually or collectively have received within the preceding 12 months, $500 or more from a business or combination of businesses, then you have a substantial interest in them. So for example, you go to Hy-Vee, put your name in a hopper and a raffle, and you win a $500 shopping spree at Hy-Vee, you now have for the next year, substantial interest in Hy-Vee. Or if someone gives you a gift of $500, say you're going to run for city commissioner or something, and someone makes a campaign donation to you, and it's more than $500, you need to either disclose that or abstain. Those are, that's what this one is aimed at. All right, next, Luke. Randy. What you want is? Yes. A question. Um, back to that other one. Let's say I'm on the board of a nonprofit and I go to Hy-Vee and I ask for some donations and they give donations to Ballard. Does that count? That does not count because that's not for your own personal gain. That's for the gain of the Ballard situation. And there is an exclusion for certain things regarding nonprofits. So you're, okay. so you're definitely okay in that regard. Thank you. Uh, for this one, if you are a director, officer, associate, a partner of any organization other than certain uh, not-for-profit organizations like the Boys and Girls, then you're considered to have uh, uh, interest in that entity. So if there is a not-for-profit 
organization or something that comes before the BZA and you're on the board of directors or you're an associate or you have some relationship to that in that situation, then you would have a substantial interest in that entity. Now, this, again, does not apply to 501C3, C4, C6, et cetera. Those, um, those are basically exempt from the, that requirement. On to the next one, Luke. And finally, if you receive basically what it is, is if you receive commissions or fees for anything that you do in excess of $2,000 from anyone, then you have a substantial interest. For example, if you are a real estate broker or agent and you sell a house, and you receive more than $2,000 from somebody, now you have a substantial interest in, in that person. If they appear before the BZA, you know, say they're seeking a variance or they have some other type of issue. So you have to be aware of that type of deal. But this, this is basically getting at commissions, uh, $2,000 for this, or it could be stock exchange, some other type of deal like that where it's the, the business is done on a commission. So anyway, that would be a substantial interest where you have to report it. And so if you have a substantial interest, as I says, you can either file a statement of substantial interest with the county election office in Douglas County, which I think is down in the old courthouse. And if you do so, you can, even though you have that interest, participate in anything appearing before the board. You can vote. You can discuss. The other thing that you can do if you haven't done that is you can go to the next one, Luke, is abstain. So those are the two things that you can do. If you've abstained or if you've filed your statement of substantial interest, then you cannot get into trouble with state law. Now, abstaining is easiest. And sometimes, you know, if it's your, your family member appearing before the board or somewhat an old partner, somebody you have a close personal relationship or your next door neighbor, sometimes abstention in those situations based on, you know, just the appearance of impropriety is Sometimes a good idea just to avoid any situation that looks bad. But under state law, you're not actually required to do that unless you have substantial interest in the entity appearing before the board and you have not filed a statement with the, uh, the, the county election officer. All right, next, Luke. Now, penalties, this is a little more serious than coma. I mean, a coma is very serious. But if you violate this statute, it's a class B misdemeanor. So it's actually a, a crime. You will have to go, you'll be in court, you'll be charged with the crime. And the penalties, if you are convicted of, of violating these statutes, you can get fined up to $1,000. You can be, spend six months in jail or $1,000 and six months. So this is a, a serious, serious crime. I mean, there are more serious crimes, but it's a serious crime. That's how important or how important it is to the state that these be followed, that it's a class B misdemeanor. Uh, next, Luke. Now, if you have any issues, you can always contact our office. So if you have a question as to whether or not you have a substantial interest, you're always free to contact the city attorney's office and we will provide you with uh, an opinion. Um, otherwise, there is a state Kansas, of Kansas governmental ethics commission. You can contact them and they will write you an opinion. And if you follow that opinion, even if it's later wrong, you will have been presumed to have acted correctly. So if they say, oh yeah, that's no problem. Go ahead and proceed. 
and then there's later a charge or a complaint raised, you have this letter and can say, look, I have this, and you have immunity from any type of prosecution or anything of problem with that law. And I think my number is on the handout. I think that's my number for the city handout is on that thing. This is the uh, number and address for the Kansas Governmental Ethics Commission. I don't know exactly how long it takes for them to respond or get issues to you, but I think they do it in a couple of days if they can. Then I guess it probably depends on how much business they have before them. Otherwise, if you are, if you feel, you know, if it's okay, you can contact me or our office at any time and we'll help you the best to the best that we can. So anyway, that's the conflict of interest. Uh, there's also city ethics, basically, policy that went into effect a couple of years ago. And the, it's in the handout. I'm not going to go over those, each of those. You can read those. There's 10 little things that you know would be a violation of the city ethics. You're required to follow the city ethics policy. And I believe the county has one. And you would also, as a BZA representing both the city and county, are required to follow the county ethics policy. And with that, I really don't have too much more. I, I answer anyone's questions if they have it. And otherwise, that's Open Meetings Act and uh, substantial interest, conflict of interest. Captain Weeks, staff liaison, do we have any questions for Randy? If not, thank you very much, Randy, for the training. All right, thank you. And, and everybody, we, we appreciate your service to the city. It is greatly, city and county, it's greatly appreciated. You provide an invaluable service to all of us. So thank you on behalf of the city. Thank you. Everybody have a good night. Okay, Catherine Weeks, staff liaison. Um, with that, we have a couple more miscellaneous eyes. So July is our upcoming meeting. It's July 1st, and typically July is a heavy vacation month. So we're just kind of taking um, a general poll to see if there are any board members that are going to be out for July 1st. We're trying to determine early whether or not we will have quorum for next month. So if I can go down the list, um, and if you can just say yes or no, um, that you would be able to attend the meeting July 1st. That would be appreciated. Falvey? Yes. Gardner? I think so. Okay. Rankin? Yes, I'll be able to. Okay. Shalinsky? Uh, I may be traveling, but if we're still on Zoom, I will make it. Okay. And Weisner. I'm a no. No, okay. Okay, and then uh, one more item of miscellaneous. Um, so we've had a couple questions about whether or not we're going to continue our Zoom meetings. Um, and just to let you know, that when there is a change in protocol or if we're going back to in-person meetings, you all as board members will be receiving an email directly from fourth floor from the city manager's office with those 
um, protocols or directions or how that is. So at this time, staff does not have any information that we're changing what we're doing. We're still doing Zoom as far as we know for now. Um, but if there is a change, you all will probably hear about it just as quick or before staff hears about it. So you will be in the know. You'll get an email directly from the city manager's office with that change. Um, and so that's all the updates that I have. We do have a couple items um, coming up for July. I actually will not be physically present for that meeting, but I will be Zooming in. Um, so Luke is gonna run that meeting in July. So that's all I had as staff. Um, unless there's any discussion from the members, um, I would be happy to hear a motion to adjourn. Hey, Catherine, this is Eric. I yeah. Yeah. Um, are have they have we changed the policy on sending out the agenda and the request for participation via email? Uh, we haven't changed the policy, but we have lost um, a previous staff member, so the procedure may not have run exactly the same. Um, I do believe there were some extraordinary uh processes that happened in the past so we we can if if you all would like direct emails um, we can do that um we did have someone else who was sending out agenda information this time so uh, we can get that ironed out if that wasn't smooth enough well I, I don't really care i mean it's up to you guys on the participation side but it would be nice to get to be informed of, of the agenda few days in advance because I didn't get anything I had to reach out to you obviously you know that but okay um, so just that, that the agenda has posted that notice that it's up and that you can go and view that when you're ready is that what you're referring to well yeah but I mean even even then it still says the agenda tonight said it was the, the meeting was being held at City Hall usually we get it we usually we get something that's saying that's like there's a zoom meeting please register for it oh i see so you didn't get okay so you didn't get the email with yeah so there is a on the agenda at the top the registration is there so i guess we've dropped the ball and sending out an additional email with that link and we can certainly keep doing that if that's needed or if that's helpful for a reminder yes we can do that or in the yeah, notice rem remind us where the link is okay yeah that i can we can certainly do that Sorry, I didn't know if I was the only one that didn't get it or, or what, but it was like, it was totally different this month. So. Yeah, no, we had a couple, I had a couple inquiries from several board members about um, agendas and process and the meeting and what, you know, was happening tonight. So that's duly noted that we need to just make sure we've got that cleaned up in the transition, so. Okay, thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. So does that mean, uh, board member Garner, does that mean uh, Caitlin's gone? Yeah, Caitlin, Caitlin is in Georgia, so yes, Caitlin is not here. Okay. All right, well, if there are no other questions or items uh, for miscellaneous, uh, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. Board Member Gardner, motion to adjourn. I'll <coughs> second that. Okay. So Stephanie is on Catherine Week, um, Falvey. Uh, aye. Gardner? Aye. Rankin? Aye. Shalinsky? Aye. And Weisner? Aye. Thank you all for attending. Have a good evening. <laughs>